I'm not trying to have a conversation where I get to heaven and Jesus and I have a really hard conversation about why I didn't do what he told me to do. I want to get to the end and have him be like, you didn't make, you know, you didn't do everything right, but I put these opportunities in front of you. You were not scared. You understood and prioritized the gospel and what I was trying to do in the world, draw people to me in fearlessness and with a serious sense of urgency. Like we're not promised tomorrow. We have to go have that conversation with him tomorrow. How would the conversation go? Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids, and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. I taught for eight years full time. I was like, this is what God called me to do. This is awesome. And then God slowly, when we had the idea for the business, he was like, ooh, I'm going to need you to step out in like a new and weird way. It's going to make you comfortable. And that was five years ago. And so I've, I've been traveling around and speaking for such a long time. But all that to say, like, I, we, we never envisioned like being able to live away from a major airport. So when we, right. we've been working from home the last several years going, okay, well, we work at home. Like our business is growing. Everything's cool. We're running things together. We're husband and wife team. We can, let's go just like rent out. We're tired of being locked up COVID style in San Diego. It was like real crazy. And we could yeah. take a walk around the neighborhood. And our daughter was like, I just miss being outside. So we thought, let's go to somewhere we've never been. And we'll rent a house and you couldn't do any short-term Airbnb rentals. So we were like, okay, we can find a house for a month. So what are we doing? We can totally do that. So we went and stayed on the river, like right at the base where you would enter in Glacier National Park. And we got there like first day. I was like, wow, it's so beautiful. It's amazing. And had that conversation with my husband. Like, could you ever move here? Just because that's a fun thing to do when you go on a trip. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, absolutely not. I would never move here. This is just going to be a fun, cool time for us. And we'll just say, remember when we lived in Montana that one time and then no joke, like by the third week, we like met the realtor that lived next door. He's like showing us houses. We bought a house on vacation and drove home, packed up all of our stuff, like bought a trailer, sold a grip of things and drove back. And I was, we got here and moved in July 28th. I had that baby August. 20th. Oh my God. No, like Everyone was like, oh, you guys are totally like a special brand of insane. Yeah. But it worked out perfectly. Like she came on her due date. My parents came two days ahead of it. My labor was super amazing and fast and wonderful. Like it just was really cool. And we were like, thank thank you, God. Like we got enough furniture in the house that we were like, we can have a baby here now. Um, Yeah, it was fine. (laughs) So I want to kind of go back to what you were talking about, which is like totally not what we were planning on talking about, but talking about starting something without like, you didn't have connections. You didn't have a network. You didn't really like know what you were doing. Um, that's the exact story of Confessions of a Grabby Christian. Like literally, I felt like I was supposed to fill a space that wasn't filled in the podcasting arena. And I like barely knew how to listen to a podcast, much less start a podcast. And I was literally just talking to someone about like, the the dichotomy between starting something fresh from the ground with no connections where like you believe in it enough obviously to start it but you can't there's no way you can really fathom what God can do with it can you talk a little about that because like you'll start this thing as like a school teacher and a marketing and it's grown like it, it has to have surpassed any of your expectations 
Oh, it's hysterical. We had no expectations because we were just like, we don't know how to do right. this. And we could only see like, you, all back up. So we're, we were arguing all the way home from church about what, you know, like married people do right. uh, about what to get our niece for her birthday that year. And we, the only thing we could agree on was like, we can't get her another stupid gift, like a Disney, you know, like a trike with a Disney sticker. Like, even though she's obsessed with the Disney princesses, can we just like give her a really meaningful gift? She's starting kindergarten. Like what, you know, what's going to happen in her life. She needs to be like emboldened and like live in confidence and character and like get excited about the Bible. And we both were like baby Christians at the time, you know, and, and I was, you know, I grew up in church, but I was like kind of newly saved and walking with God and trying to do that. Yeah. And so we just were like, I know her name's Hannah. There's a Hannah in the Bible. Let's write her a cool, like simple, easy to understand version of Hannah from the Bible. And we'll give it to her. And like, my husband is an artist. So he illustrated the cover and we like, you know, I wrote like a little story and we had it bound at Kinko's and we gave it to her for her birthday. And she was like, well, this is cool. I didn't know there was a hand in the Bible. And we were like, who's your favorite woman in the Bible? And she was like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And we were like, all right, well, you go to Awana and Sunday school and you're in church Mm. every week. Like, why do you not know one woman in the Bible, but you love the Disney princesses and you're obsessed with all their stories and play and dress up and like imagine and create with all these fantasy women. Why is that? And the more little girls we asked, the more they were just like, we don't know about the moment of the Bible. And I didn't learn about Esther until I was 30 in a Bible study like yeah. during this time. Right. Where we just, we were just confused. So we, all that to say, we like started off in the bookstore at church and we were like, okay, where are the cool books mm. for girls to learn about the women of the Bible? And everything we could find was either like, didn't make sense. It was like, you know, a compilation of like, here's 40 women. They got a page and a picture and here's some facts about her. Right. Cool. Like my adult brain doesn't want to, I don't care. No, I'm not like, there's no way for a tiny person. (laughs) I already don't care. care. Yeah. I don't care. Um, So we're looking at it going, okay, well, these have information in them, but there's no way for a girl to connect or care about these stories. And the point is to get her excited about scripture. So we found this one book. We couldn't find anything on the women of the Bible. We found one cute, like poetry book that was written by this super famous Christian author named Amy Parker, who we, we met later down the road. And I'll tell that story in a second. And, and I was like, I at least like this and the drawings are cute and the, the words are nice to read. And I would buy this book. So we buy the book and my husband's like, I know, let's just email her. And I went, dude, she's like a famous, oh, she's not going to talk to us. Who are we? But he convinced me. He was like, let's wrangle her email and just send it. Just be like, Hey, we love your book. We found it in the store. We have like six questions. Would you answer the question? We were just have an idea for a book. Do you think you could help us? And she wrote back like pages and pages and pages of an answer to help us. And all that to say, like this sweet little, really amazing 60 plus book writing author named Amy Parker, who lives in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, like became our best friend over the internet. Oh, I Intr- love that. Like, Help me write a book proposal, help me edit the manuscripts, introduce us to the editor and the illustrator, and all the people. And we didn't even go down the traditional publishing route because God very quickly was like, nope, this is not mm-hmm. traditional. Because mm-hmm. we had a meeting with an agent. And we were like, mm-hmm. we got this meeting with an agent who's from my hometown. We were like, this is annoying. This is from the Lord. He's going to love this idea. It's so great. We go to Mimi's Cafe, like in my hometown. And he's just so polite. And he's like, hey, you're an unknown author. You don't have social media. You have never written a book. You are a teacher. No one's going to, for the amount of money you want to invest, because it's like super high quality. You're talking about Disney and Pixar and it needs to be on par with that. No publisher is going to do this project. And we were like, cool, okay. that's Bye. really encouraging. Bye. <laughs> and we left. We were so dejected because we just didn't mm. know any better. And it took like two weeks for my husband to go, hey, who cares? We let's just God, like God clearly gave us this idea. Let's just we'll flush a retirement account 
like we have 401k and we, we don't need this money this is like super and so irresponsible but it made sense <laughs> at, at the time you're like yeah that's totally that's yep. fine to do um and everyone was like you're crazy so we did that and we were like let's just get the first book out and we'll we'll just see where god takes it and that really was like that was just the starting off point to me quitting my job you know, being able to travel and speak and share my testimony because I'm a five-time cancer survivor. I, mm. I'll, I'll throw that little tidbit in. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll so get I to that off. small yeah, detail. Off, like, yeah, you know, quitting my and then being like, all right, well, now I'm the face of this publishing company, and I, I taught middle school for a really long time, but who wants to listen to anything I have to say? So I had to figure out like what it is to come out and share and talk about what Jesus did in your life and how like the professional married the personal in our marriage and our parenting and the work now that we get to do. So it's just been really interesting. But yeah, when I say we had absolutely no idea what we were doing and zero connections, zero like friend who could help us, we literally found a friend on the internet, right? Through a resource who was hang out with us and answer questions and just be like, Hey, I'm here to encourage you. Just keep going. Just and she would just say, just keep going, just mm-hmm. keep going. And she had, we had calls with her. We would send her pizza <laughs> as thank yous because we were like poor we just yeah we like we thank you and we just we can buy you a 20 dollar pizza to like yeah feed your family um, but that's what like that's what I wish that this culture looked like right like as someone who similarly to you like has done this adventure I did go the traditional publishing route but mm-hmm. done the whole like starting to try like so you were trying to start a publishing situation. I was trying to start a podcast. And I don't say this like in a like negative way because God doesn't waste anything and uses everything. But like I got very few hands like extended towards me to help. Totally. Because we're like white knuckling what we think God gave us and we're like afraid that somebody else could take it or replace us or do it better than us. And like I can think of two like two quote unquote, like big people who were like, okay, come on. Like, here's the keys Mm -hmm. to the kingdom. Here's how I've done what I've done. Like, let me help you. Let me teach you. Let me encourage you. Let me share my platform with you. And like how the other side of that was like essentially being iced out or like everybody turning their backs and like kind of fortifying together. And it's weird because you expect that from the secular business world, which you, I think, Like it was like whiplash for me when I got into this world because I was like, we all love Jesus. We all want to see the kingdom expand. Like I'm going to get so much help. Yeah. Do we really want to do that? Right. Right. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. So I just think it's like really cool to hear. I love hearing people's stories that had like, that did get that hand extended to them. Like. Where would you be if Amy Parker, like God can do whatever, but he oh my gosh, Amy Parker. Nowhere. And we, t- right. we talk about that all the time where it's like, this doesn't exist without people. Like, how'd you do it? And I'm like, well, yeah. we, people go, like God brought us people who weren't afraid to share insights and help us see, you know, and get confirmation from him along the way. Cause we're praying. We're like, literally show us because we don't know what to do. It, talking to her and, you know, having that mentorship back and forth. And again, no relationship, just like someone who is willing to share their time, what they've experienced and you know, crafting publishing deals and having, having like understanding the ins and outs as someone who wasn't experienced, who didn't, who didn't go the traditional route. And it it did become very apparent to us that like God was leading us down a totally different path. And he just held our hands the whole way Mm -hmm. as we learned and had to figure out and trip over. All right. How do you make, how do you make a book when you don't have a publisher? How do you make a super high quality? You write it, you edit it, you, someone illustrates it. It's, it's designed correctly. 
it's like, it's a beautiful reading experience cover to cover. And our books, like they do cost more to make. They're made in the US. They're eight and a half by 11. They're huge books. Yeah. And they're like, they've got Louis Vuitton style in sheets because we were like, dude, this need someone needs to open this and be like, they cared. This is like a high yes. quality done with excellence done. Like, because God is the excellent fill in the blank. Like yeah. he doesn't, he wants things produced like with his level of excellence. So we just yeah. were like, we're not going to make something stupid and just slap a cool logo on it. Let's like really do a good job. You know, they're hardback. They're like yearbooks. Basically we print that's amazing. facility like it, yeah. in the U S cause it's like, and it does cost more, but God's been faithful to show us that like, dude, if we're going to try to compete for kids and their attention and their souls, like we need to do it on the same level as Disney and Pixar. Cause they're putting out aesthetically stunning, visually gorgeous things at every turn. And it needs to, it needs to compete. If it's gonna did be you faith-based. ever did you ever venture into like why so much Christian stuff sucks? Oh yeah, um, how much time do you have? Uh, yeah, <laughs> tell me your thoughts. About that. Yeah, I think um, and my husband would love to talk about his. Like, oh yeah, this is like this his real is the bane of his existence. Yeah, yeah, he. I mean, we we just commiserated. I think early on in that bookstore, going, why is all this stuff super lame? Why does it look like someone just did a poor a poor job of illustrating. And it's not that the writing is terrible necessarily, but it just feels like, it feels like the lag in the Christian market is about, you know, five to 10 years where yes. all we're doing is just like reactively watching what the secular people are doing. And then when we can catch up with it creatively and put as just barely enough money to get like a, a crappy, you know, version of what they made out let's just do that and there's yep. no innovation there's no sitting and going okay god what do you say to do mm. and like where's the ownership over the irresistible lifestyle and the love and care and support of like a christian person in your life showing you what it's like to actually be you know like be a follower of jesus that's mm-hmm. supposed to be attractive to people so how do you like you don't make it attractive by just whipping it together and putting it together in a way that's just like copying somebody else a or b just like the least amount of money possible and we were we had no i can't stress to you enough we had no money at the time we had to we had to like take bank accounts out and just figure out what we were doing to make the first book and we were paralyzed by like are we doing this right is this right like i had i, I mean it took us three years to make the first one mm. and then nine months to make the next one and then six months and then three months so it was like we figured yeah. it out yeah, that first one, it was like, we had no idea what we we're doing. And you're not being you're not being handholded or like passing your manuscript off to a publisher who's going to like, right. take it the rest of the way and then also take all the profit from it. So right. it's like, that's how we were able to build and scale the business where we're like, okay, we're going to do it in house, the learning curve is very steep. But once we figure it out, we're going to create this like, generate, you know, like a way to generate more resources as they come out. And I feel like the market really responded, not when we got the first book out, because like the first set of five books is the first series. Gotcha. The market really responded when we got the first five done. Yeah. Like when we got the herd series done, five Old Testament women, you know, walking girls through a five step, you know, five core stages of like no relationship with Jesus to, hey, he's called you to leadership and influence. And this is what this means for your life. That's mm-hmm. a five step, like complete offering that parents and grandparents and like adult women were like, dude, that makes sense to me. I get this. Like the women of the Bible have never been presented this way before, at least not to any grown up girls out there. And so you're looking at the next generation going, dude, I have this tool in my hands. I can sit and read with them and pour in the wisdom that I wish I had Mm -hmm. when I was like fumbling through my adolescent teenage life. That's what, that's what girls need. Oh, I can't wait to get some for my girls. That's awesome. I'm so excited. (laughs) 
but that honestly, it's so funny how similar our stories are because like I literally started this podcast because I couldn't find someone on the internet that was talking about real life stuff from a Christian perspective. Like you can find that secularly, right? You can find the people that are having like honest, edgy, deep conversations, but like they're not, you know, Jesus isn't infused into the conversation. And so it was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, and I think like, Look at scripture, like look how many people God used because they went, okay, I'll do it. I'll build the ark. I'll go to the temple. I'll, you know, climb that mountain, whatever. Like that's the story of God using people throughout scripture. And like Christians are, we're so afraid and tentative. And like, we do way too much risk assessment, (laughs) way too much risk assessment. See, but here's the thing about that. Like, it's not risky if you've heard from the Lord. Like he's, he yeah. sees you through to what you're supposed to be doing. So it's like the least risky thing you could do is just be obedient to 100%. what he said to do. And 100%. it's like, I mean, we couldn't see any of the steps or what he was saying. And I remember like, and I'll tell the story in a second, cause it will blow your mind. But I remember sitting in the backyard being like, I just want your will God. Like I, I, you know, and I came through my entire cancer journey, never thought I'd be healed, never thought I'd become a parent or like, and I dated my husband who got married and like didn't go to a honeymoon. We went to the Mayo Clinic because I needed a surgery. That's the type of like crap we were dealing with. Yeah. And I just never anticipated God was going to heal me and like take us on this journey of entrepreneurship and like kingdom entrepreneurship. And like, truly what's the point of making money? What's the point of like putting Bible resources out? Like why, what, to what end, right? Well, if we're trying to like minister and get the gospel to places and make disciple and do what he told us to do, like, we can't be worried about those details. We just worry about like, what has he said? Let's go do it to the best of our ability. If he needs us to do yeah. it a different way or show us something different, he's going to show us because he's faithful and he loves us and just let go of like all the temporal results you want to see, like the money and the wealth and the possession, like God's blessed our business. And we, we, we know it's because we're obedient and we're trying to, you know, in, have him be in every part of the conversation. But I remember sitting in the backyard, like not long after the first book came out and we had just left an event where it was like this prayer re- revival. And we're like at this event, it's pouring rain at the LA Coliseum. We're the only non-food vendor. Like what we have no business being there. We're like, we have this book series that we started and people are like, that's awesome. Where is it? And I'm like, well, uh, this one, you're welcome. <laughs> Cause like, that's all we could make at the time. It was so early. And so we're doing an elevator pitch, like to every person that yeah. comes up and we're like, women of the Bible. This sound like they girls need this and like, come be a part of this. Please buy many of this one book so we can make this the next one. Yeah. Yeah. So hilarious. 18 hours pouring rain. Right. So we're like two weeks after that event, we're in the backyard and my one-year-old daughter at the time is taking a nap. And my husband's like, let's have a meeting. I was like, cool. And he goes, listen, I already quit my job. We're living on your teacher's salary. I know, but just hear me out. Like you need to quit your job. This needs you. It needs the mom and the woman and the person who can like number one, write the resources. And number two, like talk about it and go out and be excited and like get people excited around this movement about girls and women and leadership and all of that. Right. And I was like, well, listen, I became a teacher when I got real sick with cancer. And I told the Lord that, that I would do whatever he wanted me to do. And he clearly said, you're a teacher. So I don't want, I'm, that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not a share. I think I told them I'm not, I'm not supposed to share my stuff. I'm supposed to go around and talk to anyone. I'll just write the books from behind, like the safety of yeah, the yeah, yeah. screen. That sounds great. Yeah. And he was like, listen, you need to pray about that. And I was like, you, you, you know, challenge your husband. Just leave me alone. I'm going to, I'm going to pray about it right now. And you, let's hold hands. Right. Cause you know, uh-huh. that's how we are. <laughs> so I, I, he holds my hands and I pray and out like, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was like to, to this, you know, to this effect, Lord, I'll be obedient. Like, please just show me 
I need a release from teaching. I need a sign that this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't know if this is the right decision. I need the clouds to open up with dove. You could just send the dove down and then I will know that what I'm supposed to, what it, this is the right thing to do. And then the end of my prayer was like, God, I don't want to trust our finances. I don't want to trust my paycheck in, for teaching as like, what's going to sustain this family. You are the sustainer of this family. We're supposed to trust you. I need help to do that. I need us. I need you to show me and I will 100% quit my job. Amen. Okay. Two hours later. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. We're sitting at the dinner table. And because my husband is raging ADD, he cannot sit still. He goes, oh, I didn't check the mail. And then he leaves the table, goes outside to the mailbox. And I was like, okay. And he came <laughs> back with the mail. And he is holding, he opened this letter and he comes in with the letter and he's sobbing. And the letter is from a man that we met at that event two weeks prior that we talked to for two minutes. And the letter says, hey, Aaron and Brent, God prompted me to reach out to you guys. He's weaving a web of people across this country who are prioritizing the gospel and reaching youth. And you guys are a part of that web. I don't know what short-term financial decisions you have to make. I just know that the Lord is in it and he wants to see this move forward. Here is a check for $10,000. This is going to take care of all of your bills until you can figure out what the next steps are. But I just want you to know that God told me to do this. You don't need to contact me or thank me. I'm just being obedient to what he said to do. That freaking letter was in my mailbox before that prayer came out of my mouth, right? I know. Okay. So I looked at it and I was like, oh, my job. Like <laughs> I told God I would quit my job. I, it should, and it's not the amount of money. And I want to say that it's not the fact that it was 10,000, like, which was so much money at the time. It was just the exact like little nudge from the Lord that I needed to take the next tiny step, which was go into work and quit a job at a school where you teach gifted and talented K through eight children that nobody in their right mind as a teacher would ever quit. It was yeah. the most cushy, beautiful, yeah. wonderful school to work at. Amazing teachers, amazing everyone. Nobody quits that job. Everyone yeah. retires as like an end of the track teacher from that school. And so I went in, I, I remember I prayed on a Saturday because we got the mail. And then a Monday morning, it was like end of May, like two weeks before school let out. And I just was like, hey, I'm not coming back to this job. That's insane and and also crazy. not because there are so many stories of God doing that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I just keep being like, uh-huh, yeah, me too. Like, yeah, uh-huh, me too. Because, I mean, I signed my book deal September of last year. It was triple what we thought it was going to be. And I quit my job the next week. It's the best. But here's it's the like, thing. It's not going to look like what you think. You go, okay, exactly. I, like, I, let me look at the path. And God's like, okay, you can't see what I'm doing. So just, just like listen and discern and take the what, and he just will handhold you the entire way because he's so faithful Yeah, and he's so patient. But yeah, no, finish your thought. Cause I'm like, I, well, I was just going to say so it doesn't like, always in both these stories. Yeah. Right. It just doesn't always look like a check in the mail. It doesn't always oh, wow. look like $10,000 from a stranger. It doesn't always look like a book deal being more than you thought it was going to be. And so 
like, what are your thoughts for people who like, okay, I always liken it to uh, Indiana Jones last crusade where he has to like throw the dirt. Like he see, he has to take the sap without the bridge and then he goes back. I always think of it as like when he throws the dirt to see it, like people like us that have walked and had to take that step, like throw the dirt back for people. Like what's your encouragement for people who like are listening to this and know they need to take it. Like they need to quit their job. They need to start the thing. They need to say yes or no, but like can't see like where their foot's going to land. That's such a good question. So what I would say, and what I've been so blessed with over the last 10 years now being 10 years, cancer free and never expecting that this would happen, but like living through five years, very intense pain and suffering. I did the first diagnosis where I was not walking with God and I just was so scared and lost and broken and all of the mm-hmm. bad words. But God did such a work on me in that time frame where I literally, I have a unique brand and I've always had a very unique brand of fearlessness. I say, I, I know people who've known me from like when I was small to now, they would say like, you're not scared of much, mm-hmm. but I now like, I now have like partnered that with a very real sense of urgency. Mm. where I wake up every day and go, okay, like, it's not just that I need to like be a shining light of Jesus and draw people to him today. But like, we're we've been called and commissioned to win souls and make disciples and like, whatever we need to do, whatever we get to do, whatever God puts in front of us, we need to filter it through that lens. Like, what is going to bring people into a deep and meaningful relationship with Jesus? Either they don't have one, they don't even know who he is. They've never read a Bible. They've never heard his name, or they've rejected him. That's a thing, right? Or you've got this whole other camp of people who are like, just like tired, sleepy, tired, sleepy Christians who are just like sitting in their salvation. Like it's a freaking bubble bath. And God's like, I've all this work for you to do. Like go out, go out and do it. And like, you can give, you can share, you can build something, you can create something, you can go talk to people. You like, there's so many ways to do it. I'm not trying to have a conversation where I get to heaven and Jesus and I have a really hard conversation about why I didn't do what he told me to do. Mm. I'm not. No, no. I'm not going for that. I want, to get to, I want to get to the end and have him be like, you didn't make, you know, you didn't do everything right, but I put these opportunities in front of you. You were not scared. You understood and prioritized the gospel and what I was trying to do in the world to draw people to me. And you, and you didn't hesitate and you didn't have all the answers and you didn't do everything right. But like the mindset is I like, I'm here to live for you. I want your will. I want, you know, your purposes for my life. Let me do those things in fearlessness and with a serious sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Like we're not promised tomorrow. We have to mm-hmm. go have that conversation with him tomorrow. How would the conversation go? Yeah. I, it's the cheesiest thing in the whole world. But I remember like very early in my walk with Christ, like in my early twenties, reading this quote that was like, I don't want to like leisurely walk into my grave. I want to like come skidding in having used every like capacity that I had. And I remember reading that and being like, yes like that is it like I want to come I want to come like skidding into the gates of heaven like hey okay what's up like we did it you know and not like oh my gosh like did I miss out on like and I think that's the hard part too is like a you've got Christians who are not they they're not even looking for those opportunities they're just like sitting like I'm saved I'm good there's no other call on my life other than to just like walk out my Christian life and that's just a lie from the pit of hell. And I feel yeah. like we're like what we are, what we're doing. And I, and I've been so grateful for the last 18 months. And I know it's been hard and painful and like filled with suffering and all kinds of stuff and like anxiety and worry and pandemic stuff. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like 
this is such a writing of our perspective and a shift for like the call on Christians, which is like, get off your, mm-hmm. but it's fine now. This is a safe yeah, place. get off, like stand yeah. up and like yeah. wake up and stand up and go and do the work that God is inviting you to do. And like, he's going to get his glory either way. Exactly. So do we want to, do we want to part in that? Or yes. do we just want to show up at heaven? And like, are you like, are you going to say, well done? Right. Because all the works we did in the body, like are, we're going to talk to them about it. I want to have a good conversation when I get there. Exactly. Not like there's you know? uh there's this very like b-roll movie gettysburg that martin sheen stars in and there's this part where they're like about to go like into gettysburg and one of the generals is like talking to him and he's like but this and but that and but that and martin sheen goes there's no time and it's like that is like the call on christians today there is no time there are people who are going to spend eternity separated from christ if we don't get off our butts and do something about it 100 percent, and like the burden of that that feel that's a heavy burden right very but we don't have that, to carry it alone no a hundred percent but like i and i do that grieves me like i think yeah. about that and that's overwhelming right but i'm not so overwhelmed by the weight of that that i'm, that I'm just gonna sit and do nothing about it right exactly i want to talk about god's will a little bit because i think that that stresses people out Because they think, I think there's this perception that we have to like perfectly understand what the next steps are or, and like, I've just learned in the last few years that like, we've, we've defined God's will as something that it's not like God's will for our lives is to like, love him, love others and make his name known. And like you you're walking in his will if you're doing that and it's going to look different for you and it's going to look different for me and you have different good things i could not write a children's book it would be garbage because i am far too like controversial and ridiculous maybe one day don't ever say ever look now i'm going to end up writing a children's book but like <laughs> that's just not like that's not my wheelhouse it's not where my brain works but i get to like come alongside people who have completely different callings we're both in the will of god totally and like, to your point about calling, that word is thrown around mm-hmm. all over the place. Like, let's yep. talk about our calling. And are we walking in our purpose? And it's like, dude, okay. And people are like, wondering about your calling. Like, it's this big question about like, I need to go yeah. find my calling. Right. God has told us what to do. Exactly. Said, go and go and preach the gospel to the whole world. Go out and make disciples. Like he explained what to do. Yep. You can do that at your job. You can do it in every, in whatever yep. way he brings for you to do it. But like the calling is very clear. So if you're somebody listening and you're like, I wonder what I'm called to do. You, I'm, you, here is what you're called to do. Preach the gospel, make disciples, love God, love people, make his name known, right? Like the, these are the things that we get to do in our homes with our children, in our neighborhoods with our neighbors, in our communities with our fellow citizens, globally, and in the way that we like, very strategically can give to different people who are going to bring the gospel to places I'm going to never go. Mm-hmm. Like that's the fun part of like living generously. And like the point, like I said earlier, the point of making money, like we wake up over here and it's not, let's make a bunch of money. So we, our life can be comfortable. God has blessed this family. He provides for every need. The point of making money is to use our wealth and to leverage our gifts and our time and all of the resources to further the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the cause that God will write a check for. Amen. And those are like, that's what's fun about like vetting different ministries and being like, who's, who's out inside being like, who is taking the gospel that ends the earth? Who's translating the Bible? Where are those people? Who's saving women from trafficking and then has a targeted gospel message attached where they're discipling? Who's doing that? Like, I'll, I want to write a check to support those causes 
because yep. those are the causes close to God's heart. And that's the work that he wants to be doing, but he's going to prick your heart for like other different things. And all the, you know, like, exactly of the world are not yours to bear, but like, which, exactly. ones, which ones like are like cause your heart to suffer mm-hmm. that are in alignment with what God has said and what his heart is for people. Yeah. And then you get to step in and like meet needs and share the God and like do the things that he's told you to do. But that's what calling is not this like mythical unicorn that we're all trying to find. Like, I wonder what my calling is. Right. Well, and your career, like, you can no. actualize your, your calling through your career, which right. I do every day. And it's really fun. Yeah. Um, but like your calling, I love you said your calling is clear because it is, it's also unique. And it's also different. And I love that you what you said about like what pricks your heart. I do think part of the problem is that we as Christians for in particular have taken on the lie that we have to like equally care about everything. And therefore you end up caring about nothing. And look, part of I think the reason that that happens is like there is an outside message that tells us that. Like there are a few things that are very near and dear to me that I will get fired up about that I am very intense and passionate about and the like internet rhetoric tends to be well what about Mm. okay yes I care about those things as well but my like I'm my like mild clap back is are you angry that like the Susan B. Komen Foundation doesn't treat prostate cancer like I can't I cannot physically care and give funds to and elevate every single issue why can I like why that's the point of the body is like you care you you Aaron care about things that I care about but not as passionately and vice versa and that's the beauty of the body because we all come together and then the church is covering it all totally and like you when you talk about it like that and we're so inundated with like every cause is a legitimate important cause we need to care about everything but it's like the end of the day you do have to choose the hill you're going to die and you can't die on every hill, you but can't. like pick a, pick a freaking hill though. Like uh, exactly pick, pick, pick one or two, like, and then, I, and to that end, I always, and I talked to my daughter about this so much. Cause she's like, she's been wondering like, what's my calling. And I've tried to explain like, well, it's very like what God says to do. What he wants us to do is, is super clear in the Bible. Here's where it is. We get to do that in so many different ways, but like the, the, the thing I see even like youth and a lot of adults doing all the time where is it's like, you need to cultivate your passion. You need to like find your passion, what makes you, what's like passionate inside you. And that word passion, like the root of that word means suffering. Mm. So like no one stops to think about, okay, well, it's called the passion of the Christ for a reason, right? The word passio right? in Latin means to suffer. So you don't stop and then you go, what lights me up? What makes me feel passionate? Or what's like a passion that I have as like a cool feeling? If you think about it in a different way, you go, do what like breaks my heart? What causes exactly. my heart suffering? What do I think about is going on in the world? And it's, it's so grievous that like, maybe it's the thing that makes me so mad that I'm supposed to solve or like, exactly maybe it's the thing that hurts my heart so bad where I think I'm up at night going, Oh my gosh, I can't believe like this one thing is the reality. What the heck is anybody doing something about that? Maybe that's the problem I'm supposed to step in and do something with. So it's like reframing that word passion, not as like, dude, find your passion and like what excites Woo-hoo! you and motivates you and like animates you and gets you pumped up. That's not what, what breaks your heart. Means. No. Yeah. Like what is causing your heart to suffer and yeah. how does that align with God's heart for suffering people and like interest and meet people there. And that's, they're going to have an encounter with Jesus through the Holy spirit. But like, you got to show up and give them a chance to do that. And let that be a really beautiful expression of Christ through you. 
like 100%. that's that's the thing that kills me so look like I, this is I don't often veer into this lane on my podcast but like medical freedom is a big one for me it's huge the right to choose the the right to informed consent like god gave me this body I will decide <laughs> yes exactly and yeah. like that goes into being like pro-choice because like a baby's body isn't your body like that whole conversation mm. so like I am extraordinarily passionate about that. And it is very unpopular sometimes, but it is what burns me up is watching people that I know in real life having to make a decision right now between their livelihood or their conviction. And so that is like the torch that God has given me to carry right now, because it like I believe that that would be Jesus's heart for people as well, would be the right to make that decision. So right now and that's a whole different conversation is seasons right like you are dynamic and capable of changing and being passionate about different things in different seasons like right now in this season like the christ expression of me right now like looks like being willing to put things on the line for people who can't make that risk and the same like the same is for you is like right now in this season like i'm passionate about like y'all risk everything to educate girls about what God says about them and who they really are. And I think that there's almost always risk involved. I think it feels risky because we're, we're in our temporal mindset. And like, I just think our like sweet little human being can't, uh, it's just, we can't understand everything about what God's doing in the eternal, but we can certainly prioritize yeah. Right. We can certainly look at our decisions and go, okay, the temporal decision, like the person who wants to set a temporal goal and be like, okay, in the here and now, what's this going to create? Like, what's the ROI short term? And then what's the ROI in terms of the kingdom? Amen. Like, what does God care about? Right. He yeah. cares about souls. What are the only mm-hmm. thing? What's the only thing that lasts after the world ends? God's word and souls. Yep. He wants no person separated from him forever. Uh-huh. Not one person. And until we preach the gospel to every tribe and every nation, the end will come as when that happens. And then the end. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So like that can be, we, he gave us a measurable tool. He gave (laughs) us resources and ministries and people who are touching, you know, like every inch of the globe and translations and people who are at work to finish the task. Yeah. Like if you're on the fence or you've been like wondering during even the pandemic time of like, dude, what's my part? What's my part in the building of God's kingdom? And I feel like my life is stagnant and now I'm stuck at home and I'm isolated and I'm lonely. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you can, there are things you can do to engage in the building of God's kingdom in yeah. an eternal way right now without hesitating. And like having to sit at home and be in isolation and have to deal with everything we're dealing with. And like, we all talk about when things go back to normal, like it's ever going to happen. Right. We, you can shove all that aside to like the temporal side of decision-making. And go, okay, there are circumstances, yes, but like what, what my eyes on the prize of building the kingdom for Christ yeah, and sharing them with people and creating things that will draw people to him and putting my money where my mouth is, frankly. Because when we get to the yes. end, he's going to be like, well, did you give? Did you tithe? Did you talk to people about me? Did you create stuff? Like, what'd you do? Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not trying to have a weird conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm not down for that. I don't want to get to the end and be like, oh, this, this is terrible. This is awkward. <laughs> I love that though. And what's wild is that we're like winding down this conversation and did not talk about the fact that you've had cancer bad time. So I think that just oh, means yeah. that we have to have you back. <laughs> I think we I just have that. to do another interview and like have a whole different conversation. And I knew when we started that we were going to go 
off the rails and talk about something. And I'm so glad we did because so many people need this conversation. They need the reminding. They need the fire lit that like your calling is clear. Like God has, and Jesus were very, very clear about the call in your life. You like have, you have the Holy Spirit that sustains your hope, that sustains your faith to help you take the next step, even, and especially if it's scary. Uh, no, you, I love it. I love that this is so encouraging too. And I would love yeah. to come back and talk about all the candles. Yes, please. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I know. I definitely want <laughs> to Okay. Before you go, I need you to tell us about your Bible Bells subscription, subscription service because I'm getting it. Well, thank you. So yeah, we, I mean, and during the pandemic, we've been listening for a long time for people who are like, yes, we need printed resources. We need these everywhere and in multiple different languages. So we've been working to that end for several years. And then we continually get asked about like, digital, digital resources that like can go to every country and be used in a variety of ways, whether they're printable or they just got access on like a tablet or device. So Bible Bells Monthly is a monthly subscription. Every month we focus on a female hero of the faith and dive super deep into her story and what it means for the girl that you're leading. So my favorite like thing about creating this new resource is that I hear from so many parents where they're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't have any time. Can you just like, can you just help me where I don't have to prep anything and I, there's nothing to plan. And I did that. So my teacher, I just like put my teacher hat on and went, okay, I'm going to make this so easy. There's no prep. Literally, if you just want to print it off and have your daughter do it, or she can do it in a group or whatever you want to do, you there's, you have, you have to prep nothing. You can even not print it and just do it on a device. That's this is for me. Safe. It's like a safe way for your person to interact with technology where you're not like, oh, okay, what are you looking yeah. at? Just like safe to use online or you can print it, but no prep, no planning. So it's super, super fun. And um, it kicks off November 10th. So we're really, really excited. Yeah, that's so soon. It's now. Yes. Where awesome. can people get that? Yeah, at BibleBells.com. So B-I-B-L-E-B-E-L-L-E-S.com. Sweet. And we'll link that in your show description and I'm going to get it and do it for my girls because I am the parent that, you just talked about that's like just give me the things because I don't have a teacher brain even remotely so I'm very see and that's just one more way that like God used the way that he created you to further the kingdom it's just so cool it's fun I love it I love creating resources and I think about my girls as I do and just it's I'm super blessed to be able to do it where can people connect with you like online social media all that stuff yeah so on Instagram it's Aaron.Wideman and on Facebook, it's Aaron Weideman official. And I'm usually on Instagram most days. Yeah. And just AaronWeideman.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Aaron. This was the best conversation. Blake, you're awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.